Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up in War Eagle War Report family? It's your guy Ike Jones, and we are back with another morning drop. Today we are talking about patience. How much does the Auburn family have for the process that Coach Hugh Freeze is trying to take us through? Y'all know how we do right here, War Report style. Let's drop it on them. Morning drop. It is Tuesday, January the 2nd. We are back with another great edition of the morning drop. I appreciate everybody for dropping in with me today. Uh, talking a little bit more Auburn football during the offseason. Um, before we get into the content, definitely want you guys to do the necessary and that is going out there and sharing the video. We appreciate everybody who continues to share the great news that the Warport is out here doing Auburn content. Go ahead and share the video wherever you are listening, watching from right now. Like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already over on YouTube. If you are on a podcast and re-listening to this, please do us a favor and share the content. Go ahead and, and make sure you got your notifications on where you know, you know what I'm saying? Subscribe to the, the podcast as well so you know when we're going to be going live and uh, dropping some content out there for you. And make sure you're giving us a five-star review out there. Before we get specifically into Coach Hugh Freeze. Definitely want to give a couple of notes out here. First and foremost, uh, senior 
defensive back Zion Puckett announced that he is going to forego his final year of eligibility and head over into try his hand at the NFL. So want to wish well or give well wishes to Zion Puckett. We had an opportunity to have Zion on and um, talk to him when we did our fireside sessions uh, and talked about how, you know, his expectations for the season, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Definitely hope him or wish him the best as he continues his process as a football player, wherever that may lead him. So Zion Puckett announced he is out of here. That's another member of the Auburn defensive backfield. I mean, this wasn't unexpected, but definitely worth a note. Uh, It wasn't unexpected that Zion Puckett would not return, but Losing a lot of experience and a lot of snaps in the Auburn defensive backfield for whatever people feel about uh, Zion Puckett and his ability to play. His teammates uh, trusted him, felt like he was one of the more intelligent people that were working uh, that or patrolling that defensive backfield. So uh, you're going to have to replace both of your starting safeties now with Jalen Simpson going to the NFL, Zion Puckett now uh, going on to the NFL, and both of your outside corners with uh, DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett both leaving. Uh, A lot of great talent behind those young men and uh, expecting to step up. I liked what I saw in spots from... uh, 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 Caleb Wooden, uh, so he's going to be out there playing. Uh, didn't get to see a lot of um, other safety prospects out there like Love. Um, Sylvester Smith played a little bit in the bowl game and looked pretty good, uh, and I think that Sylvester Smith is going to be a good replacement for Zion Puckett as a guy who can uh, patrol the back of that defensive secondary. And looking forward to seeing now, we t- talked a little bit about Charles Kelly and the Zach Etheridge situation as Auburn defensive backfield coaches um, as to whether or not, you know, still don't know what the future of Zach Etheridge is right now. I think he's still going to be remaining with Auburn, uh, but uh, whatever the, the future is, we do know that Charles Kelly is going to be uh, helping on the defensive backfield side. So, Trying to look forward to seeing kind of how that marriage works with them being coached by, you know, what we talked about yesterday, one of the better coaches in college football right now coming onto this Auburn staff. Uh, but Zion Puckett will be missed um, uh, patrolling that backfield. In addition to Zion Puckett announcing that he was going to be leaving Auburn, uh, transfer running back. Brian Batty uh, recently entered his name back into the transfer portal after just one year at Auburn coming over from South Florida. A lot of high hopes. Again, another person that we talked to in the preseason about his transition over into Auburn as a running back uh, from South Florida. And, you know, that running back room that came in with a lot of promise under-delivered this year, and I don't think that that was really about the running back room being overhyped. I just think that the offense never really got going and didn't give an opportunity for that run, those uh, talented bevy of running backs that Auburn had to get the rotational snaps that they needed. Um, and I, I think that Brian Batty really just he, – he was hurt most by that, right? Like you, you – the productivity that you thought you were going to get out of him in both the return game and as a running back was hurt by the fact that Auburn's offense just couldn't stay on the field enough to rotate in and get enough snaps and touches for all the different running backs that were available. Uh, but you did see his snaps decline even after – he saw the injury that came for Damari Austin last year. Um, and in in kind of um, situational football, you saw Jeremiah Cobb actually get a little bit more of those opportunities, whether it be sweet speed sweeps or, you know, running uh, routes out of the backfield. Jeremiah Cobb got a little bit more of that. So, again, not necessarily unexpected, but 
This is something that I I cautioned Auburn fans about once I saw Robbie Ashford successfully leave Auburn in the transfer portal and um, then the NCAA decide to grant waivers to athletes who um, were going to have a second stint in the transfer portal and rather than that meaning they could not have that a year of eligibility taken away from them, they'd be able to play immediately. I talked about this could be a potential that we would see some other people leave. And Brian Batty was one of the ones that I had in mind. I don't know if I specifically mentioned him, but he was one of the ones I had in mind because when you think about um, just availability of snaps, he was already coming into a crowded backfield with, again, the emergence of Jeremiah Cobb as a weapon that you saw Coach Hugh Freeze want to utilize. And I think we're going to see a pivot in Coach Hugh Freeze towards playing more of the younger talent. Uh, it was just logical that Brian Batty was going to be the odd man out. Uh, I don't know what this does for Auburn and wanting to go into the portal to go get a running back. We saw them pivot away from taking a running back in this freshman class, at least during the early signing period, because it was presumed that Jarquez Hunter was going to be returning for his senior season to Auburn. All signs still point to that being a potential thing that's out there. He hasn't announced officially that he's going to be returning, but he hasn't said that he's leaving. And I think that Auburn feels good about the prospects of him returning. But if you do have the return of Jarquez Hunter, you do have Damari Austin, who's um, affirmed his commitment to to come back, at least through spring, spring ball for Brian and the exodus of Brian Batty. That means that you're going to have Jeremiah Cobb available as your next running back in the rotation. And let's not forget about the fact that Sean Jackson um, is uh, – going to be still in this backfield so you still have a very good three-headed monster that you're you have available plus a fourth in sean jackson that's going to be available that i think um that, that i think is going to be really good for auburn as another back that they can rotate in in case there's an injury or something like that so not worried about the running back room as it as it's presently constructed uh but definitely hate to see brian batty not able to be able to get to that potential gonna be interesting to see where he lands because i do think that he is uh kind of an underrated back as his ability i don't know why underrated because if you, you watched any of the film that we did on him or the review of the film we did in preseason and sh showed him against power five competition he can run and do all of the things necessary he proved himself in the games when he had his his chances in the games for auburn that he could go out there and be a valuable contributor to uh any running back schemes that you want to be able to run whether that's inside or outside catching the football out of the backfield he was very adept at that um did not have the return turn game that you would expect they kicked the ball away from him and then some of his choices as far as bringing the ball six seven eight yards deep out um just really wanting to make a play I think more anxious to do that sort of thing than anything else and then of course the bowl game he had the fumble on the kickoff return so the return game a little bit less than what you would want to have out of him this season definitely didn't get the touches necessary uh from the backfield so hate to see brian batty leave but uh definitely wish him the best in whatever his next uh destination is going to be but again cautioning or, or reminding people that transfer portal situation could mean that other uh people who once were thought to be hey they're just gonna stay locked in with auburn i mean I don't I don't want to start throwing names out there because then if I say a name and people are going to be like, why would you say that? Why would I, I don't know any details about. But there are people I would say think about players that are currently on Auburn that transferred in who their situation might not be the best right now and still have another potential transfer that they could utilize without penalty. And those would be people um, who would 
before now would you would say, okay, they're locked in, they can't transfer again. Absolutely could if the opportunity presented itself and the right opportunity was there for them, they could leave again, uh, especially if you're talking about post-spring. Uh, some of them may write it out through spring to see what happens, but um, that is something that's on the horizon, not just for Auburn, right? That's not a uniquely Auburn situation. There's a lot of players, if you see right now, entering the transfer portal that have already utilized their one-time transfer as it was previously that are now taking advantage of the fact that they're getting waivers to be able to transfer again away from whatever situation seems like it was going to be a good fit we are very early into this transfer portal world and that is an evolving situation that is going to be interesting to see how players are positioning themselves to and i think it's going to change the way i that that players think about how they enter the transfer portal um just from the cautionary tales that are happening with guys that enter the transfer portal end up going to teams that they didn't necessarily want to but they just wanted to play football that next year and they end up getting stuck now getting an opportunity to get a reprieve on that and enter earlier in the transfer portal whether that rather than that second window where the pickings are a little bit more slim um, so they're, they're taking advantage of that and they're going to try to get in and go into a situation that's more um, beneficial for them. So very interesting to see how the transfer portal stuff is uh, going to pan out for Auburn and across the landscape of college football. Uh, but more to the point of what we were in here talking about today, and that's patience in year two of Coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I wanted to reiterate some things because I've seen some conversations floating around out there. And of course, you know, I got to give my two cents because why not? Um, a lot of Auburn fans are patient, uh, but only to a degree, right? I think the process of patience is a little bit difficult to, to have as a fan for sure, especially when you see what's happening around college football, specifically in the SEC and where Auburn is currently positioned within the conference, right? As an unbiased person, if you were looking at the conference and you were to say, who are the upper echelon teams in the conference? I don't think that Auburn's name is going to come up in that conversation as it's currently constructed. I think that you see Auburn as a team that's positioned to make a move into that upper echelon or get back into that upper echelon. But there are some teams that are floundering out here right now that are perennially supposed to be the better teams in this conference, right? We already know about the team across the state. We already know about the team in the neighboring state to our east, right? Those are going to be uh, teams that have been at the top for the last, you know, if we're talking about more recently, the team to the east, uh, right? Like the last five to six years getting back into that place. But they've been a, you know, after other than a couple of years, a, a nine, 10 win team perennially for, the, the history of that football team for the most part. Uh, then you talk about the team across the state, right? They've been perennially for the last few decades in that conversation, right? And so Auburn needs to work its way back into that space. Tennessee has now climbed back up into that place. Um, and Texas A&M uh, is, I don't know what the heck they're doing, right? They were up and then they're down. LSU is kind of up and down, but they're definitely in that next tier or that upper tier. But, but Auburn has to get its way back into that place uh, where it's not just a, a middling team where seven to eight wins is kind of what you expect, right? Right now, Auburn's in the conversation with the, you know, the Kentuckys of the world, right? In, you know, the conversations with, um, I mean, Missouri right now is on a better trajectory than Auburn is. And I wouldn't put Missouri, like, 
where they are right now as far as how their program is, if you go and look. I mean, I hate to say it, Broken Ugly is is having a better situation about what they're doing right now than Auburn is. So Auburn's got some work to do, but a lot of it has to do with whether or not you've got the right guy in charge. And, uh, you know, the the previous two years under Coach Harson. The trajectory just wasn't moving in the right direction, specifically with the talent, right? And then you had year one where, you know, if we're being honest, looks a lot like year one Coach Hugh Freeze as far as what happened on the field with wins and losses. Six regular season wins, bowl loss, right? That's the exact same thing. And I would dare say that if you look at how Coach Harson started and then you look at what precipitate the things that precipitated the downfall of Auburn, it was really more so about the fact that you lost your starting quarterback, right? Now, I don't like to get into the what if Marvel scenarios of what if Bo Nix never got hurt. But listen, if we're being honest, if if he never gets hurt, Coach Harson's first year looks drastically different, right? The trajectory of that team looks drastically different. Now, what does it look like in year two? I don't know what it looks like in year two, because, again, the issue that you have with Coach Harson was he wasn't bringing in the talent that would allow him to compete perennially. Um, you know, just having a better quarterback would have gotten you probably more than, you know, the five wins you had. I mean, he was fired by the time you got to the fifth win. So that doesn't uh, you have no idea what would happen in the end of that year. But I do believe that had he had a better quarterback situation in year two, that he would have had a better season. And we're not even having this conversation about whatever happened. Um, but again, that happened and it's over. We're on to coach Hugh freeze right now. And coach Hugh freeze has done a much better job when it comes to recruiting and getting talent here to the planes. The question is, are we going to get into another scenario like with Coach Harson, where you're hitting the reset button as far as what you're going to be doing offensively, right? You had Coach um, Harson fire his offensive coordinator, and then he went through this ridiculous phase of not being able to hire a new OC during the offseason, which set everything back going into year two. I don't think Coach Hugh Freeze is going to make that same mistake. I think Coach Hugh Freeze is going to decide that he is going to either hire someone who's going to run his system or he's going to hire someone who's essentially a quarterback coach and he's going to be the offensive coordinator. I think the big mistake that Coach Harson made in the offseason was not just taking the reins of the offense when he couldn't – as soon as – um, he was, wasn't able to get his first OC hire in the door and keep them there because that's a big reason why he had gotten, you know, some of the quarterback recruits that he had come in out of the transfer portal. As soon as that did not happen, I think Coach Harson should have said, I'm going to be the OC and just get somebody in there to kind of help with game plan, and he just run his offense. Coach Hugh Freeze, I don't believe, is going to make that mistake in year two. I think that if he decides to pivot, and this has still not been something that's been confirmed, I don't want to fire somebody before they're out of the door, though a lot of people feel as if that's the direction. I don't even want to say a lot of people, but there are people who are speculating the direction of this offense is going to be moving away from Philip Montgomery. And listen, I, I don't know if I'm Philip Montgomery. I'm going to be honest with you. After hearing... Uh, the statements from Coach Harson after the bowl game, 
I'd be sitting around, you know, I'd be brushing up on my resume right now just because he didn't project a ton of confidence. Uh, so I do wonder what those conversations have been like if they've had conversations about what the future of Auburn's offense is going to be and whether or not Coach Philip Montgomery is still going to be a part of that. But again, if it does come to that, I expect for Coach Hugh Freeze to pivot in a direction of if I can't get the guy I want immediately, I'm going to hire somebody or I'm going to promote a guy like Kent Austin and I'm just going to run the offense myself. Uh, I, I expect that that's going to be the direction he takes if he can't get the guy that he wants at OC immediately. Uh, the other portion of that is you lost your defensive coordinator in gear two of host Harts, Coach Harson. They went in separate ways during the offseason in a very puzzling whatever with whatever happened with that. Had to bring in a new seat. Now he just promoted from within um, at, at the defensive coordinator position uh, and I don't expect that to be the direction that Coach Freeze takes. If uh, you know, I think it's be. I think what would end up happening if, for some reason, Ron Roberts was not on this team next year, as uh, on the staff next year, I should say, uh, that you brought in Charles Kelly and maybe you just promote him and then you know you let Zach be the co DC with him. I don't know. Listen, I, Charles Kelly from a on the field defensive strat- strategist standpoint. Uh, the only time he's been a DC, if I'm not mistaken, at the P5 level was last year at Colorado. Now, ton of <laughs> talent issues on that Colorado team, and a lot, of, but that defense didn't look good. It didn't look good. Uh, I didn't watch enough. Col- I, I might have watched two games of Colorado football for real last year. So I didn't watch enough games to know whether or not I felt like it was a scheme issue or whether he was calling the correct things at correct times. But that's not a good confidence builder if you're an Auburn fan to say yeah if something did happen to happen with Ron Roberts let's turn the defense over to Charles Kelly but however comma I do think that there are options for coach Hugh Freeze to be able to exercise in regard to that so do Auburn fans have the patience to deal with this process and what does that patience look like going into year two how much leash are they going to have for Coach Harson? Uh, excuse me, for Coach Hugh Freeze. I must have said Harson twice. Good lord, for Coach Hugh Freeze in this situation, um, because Coach Hugh Freeze is going to have a lot of tough decisions. Is he going to stick with? Uh, listen, I know I'm going to say it. The quarterback. Is he going to stick with the quarterback? Because, in my opinion, his trajectory as a team that's going to need to win more than six games next year is going to be tied to whether or not he gets the QB right. Or, and we said this before last time with the previous coach, or is he willing to pivot off of a bad decision to start the season? He didn't show that in this year uh, where it seemed as if from everything in the preseason that, okay, there's a quarterback competition and we've got this strong QB room. I have been fooled by both of the previous coaches into thinking we were having a quarterback competition by the rhetoric put forth. And that has not been the case in either situation. So I'm not buying it this year. I'm not buying into the QB competition thing this season. I will buy into a change that happens if it does, but I am not buying into the idea of a quarterback competition existing for Auburn football until I see something that says there's a leash and that leash is short enough that we pivot in a different direction. Or, and this is a big or, they change their trajectory on the decision to stick with not going for a transfer portal quarterback. 
I don't believe that there's still I still don't believe we're going for a transfer portal quarterback. And I don't believe that there is a true QB top competition. Regard that's this is the first time you will probably ever hear me say, I know what he said, but I ain't believing it. I I, I mean, I just I I I've I've been you you fooled me once, shame on on you. Fooled me twice, shame on me. Shame on me. I, I have been fooled twice into thinking that Auburn was going to have a quarterback competition. I am no longer in that boat. We are rolling with Peyton Thorne until otherwise noted. And that, I think, is going to be a crucial decision in year two for Coach Harson, and is going to dictate how much patience people have with this process. If it doesn't come out here looking good, they're going to want to see a change. Is he going to be willing to make that change or is he going to ride with uh, Peyton Thorne if he doesn't show the improvement that I've said Harson too many times. Why do I keep saying Coach Harson? If Coach Freeze does not make the pit, I, listen, man, I, maybe I shouldn't just mention Coach Harson at all because now I got Harson on the brain. Good Lord. If Coach Freeze doesn't make that pivot, is he going to be able to last in year two without um, a lot of criticism coming down from the stands, from the fans on social media, from the powers that be from whomever it's got to look better at the quarterback position and it needs to look better from day one. Nobody is going to have patience with them figuring it out at the quarterback position. You can look bad elsewhere. You can't look bad at QB game one, day one. It needs to look good in year two for coach freeze and for Peyton Thorne. It has to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So I think a lot of the he, – he is tying the level of patience that the fan base will have with him to his decision at quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see what decision he decides. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now here's the rest of your morning drop. Okay, let's get over into the comment section and see what you all are talking about today. I am very interested to hear what y'all have to say. Let's start out with a thing that I know everybody wants to come in here and talk about, but that is B-Wheel's forehead saying it, Buck Fama. Hey, listen, I thought they were going to win the game. You heard heard my pick. I thought that Jalen Milrow was going to be a problem for Michigan. I was incorrect. Jalen Milrow actually reverted back into some of the bad habits that he had earlier in the season. Now Bama fans are back to bashing Jalen Milrow, talking about how he's not a good passer and uh, they don't like the offensive coordinator anymore. And listen, man, this this shows you how quickly the sentiments of fans change with wins and losses. It's crazy. I, I Listen, I'm telling you, there are Bama fans who hate Tommy Reese and Jalen Milrow right now because of the one, not the one call, but particularly that last call on the last play of the game. Uh, So, yes, let's all join in and laugh at Bama's expense. I am fine with that. Uh, Chris S. says, hot take. Harson had a better year one on the field than Freeze. Excuse me, than Freeze. I think they are, I mean, win-loss record exactly the same. But when you factor in the New Mexico State loss, um, I'll have to say yes. Near losses don't count. So, yeah, he almost lost to Georgia State, but he didn't. Coach Freeze didn't almost win. And uh, to, uh, against New Mexico State, they got beat pretty soundly by New Mexico State. So, yes, I would say year one on the field, Coach Harson better, right? Um, I think Coach Freeze won his non-conference P5 game, right? The Cal game didn't look pretty, but won that game. Uh, Coach Harson lost to Penn State. Freeze won the versus Cal. Um both of them almost won the Iron Bowl in the first year of, you know, I, I think both of them lost in pretty epic fashion. I, I actually think that the year one Harson Iron Bowl was more impressive and it was a more colossal letdown in the, the freeze Iron Bowl uh, just because you definitely had that game won. Definitely had that game won. Um Georgia year one Harson. Georgia won that pretty handily. I mean, second half wasn't great. Auburn was pretty close year one freeze. I mean, it's it's you know it's close. It's I'll say it's close, but I don't think that that's a particularly hot take. Uh, that year one was better on the field, uh, but you know again when we've talked about this before, recruiting and what the prospects for the future are, I think um, freeze is in a better place. Uh, position going forward but still a lot of unanswered questions which we will definitely get into some more of those randy witherspoon says auburn had a bad weekend but the other university in the state made it less painful i will agree there are a lot of people who feel better now that you've seen both georgia 
and Alabama take L's and you don't have to hear them talking about defending a national championship during this offseason. So props to them for doing all of the things necessary to give Auburn fans a little bit to be able to point a finger and laugh. Uh, Chris S. jumps back in and says, is Auburn the only SEC team that didn't look competent or competitive in the postseason? Didn't watch the Texas A&M game in any great detail, uh, but I think that they were competitive in their game. Tennessee, good. Um, Missouri, good. I'm going to have to say, yeah, <laughs> I think that might be the case. I, I'm, I'm trying to think through all the games. Let me let me go through and look at these games really quickly. Uh, Kentucky. Yes, they looked competent. Texas A&M looked competent. Missouri looked competent. Ole Miss won. Georgia beat the brakes off of them. LSU looked competent, except defensively. The Ole Miss looked, I mean, the LSU looked bad defensively against everybody except for Auburn. Um, Tennessee, yes. Bama, yes. The answer to that question is a resounding yes. Everyone looked competent except for Auburn. That doesn't make me feel great, but. Uh, Corey Weber, statistically, Harson had a better year one offensively. That's about it. His recruiting can't touch what Freeze has done. There aren't very many people who in year one of their recruiting thing could touch what Coach Hugh Freeze has done. So that is should go without saying, but definitely needs to be uh, stated. Um, Haley jumps in and says, I'm 100% over the QB position needing to be figured out. Listen, this isn't like new though right like the the quarterback position has been a problem at Auburn historically I don't I can't I can't remember the last time yes I can the last time we went into a season where the vast majority of the fans this is going to be crazy to say the last time I remember going into the season where the vast majority of the fans felt good about the quarterback who was going to be starting that season there's two times, one of them probably a little less warranted. But the last time was probably freshman year, Bo Nix. Everybody felt really good about, well, not everybody, but uh, the vast majority felt really good about what freshman year Bo Nix was going to be presenting for. But outside of that, with a guy who had already been on the team, it was Jeremy Johnson. That's the last time people were like, oh, man, watch out for Auburn with this quarterback. It was Jeremy Johnson. Everybody felt really good about the year Jeremy Johnson was going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn. And that did not work out so well. So, but I mean, just outside of that, every year we've come into the season thinking, what are we going to do at the quarterback position? Every single year. Uh, and there's been a debate about who should be the guy and is this person good enough, blah, blah, blah. It's just we we have not, as Auburn fans, had a really comfortable starting quarterback situation, really historically. There's always been some debate. There's always been a huge divide in the, the fan base about who should be the person that's going to be starting. Um, and maybe there's some other time where I'm not thinking about where people were like, nah, nah, we were definitely like, it's been a, it's been a very long time. If, if I'm forgetting somebody, please somebody remind me. But if it, it if it's been since the 80s, somebody tell me something different. Uh, P-Pass says, I give credit to Harson for utilizing the talent he was provided. He would have went 2-10 on his trajectory. I don't know what would have happened with 
Coach Harson and his trajectory, I do. Well, the trajectory says that they would have lost, you know, like he was on his way to a four-win season um, last year or that his final season that he was there before being let go. And if you're playing that trajectory, yes, he was on that. Tra- I, I don't know that we would have gone that far down, but I, I didn't see it going in the other direction anytime soon um, based upon, again, what the talent acquisition was looking like, unless he was going to be masterful in the transfer portal. I just think that there was too much other stuff clouding the program that would have I, – I don't I don't know that how Coach Harson would have ever been able to pull himself out of that ditch. Um, he wasn't being supported in any way, and the talent acquisition wasn't there. You didn't have the right kind of um, – chemistry that you were building in the locker room so I don't know how you get better in the transfer portal you didn't recruit particularly well so you couldn't get better in high school it just wasn't going to be a good situation for him going forward uh let's see here Max Effort jumps in and says, nobody believed me but I did say earlier in the season that Hank may be better than we think hey listen um, I didn't have any expectations for Hank Brown because I'd literally never seen him throw a football other than some high school film. So I didn't, I didn't know what to think of Hank Brown. And I still don't know what to think of Hank Brown. I do like what I saw from him in those two uh, drives that he had. But I think that there's a lot left to be figured out as to whether or not he can make the, the transition to be a, a, a starter in the SEC. But I like the tools that he has, and I do like the decision-making. Um, so when we get into the film from this game, and yes, we are going to, I couldn't do it yesterday, uh, but today I think we're going to have, an, maybe have an opportunity to watch some film. I don't know. Don't hold me to that, members, because we do have a basketball game today. Don't hold me to that. Uh, but we will be watching the Maryland film at some point in time, so we'll talk about some of the things that we saw from him. Ben Bloodworth says, Freeze called himself the quarterback whisperer. It's time to, that we see evidence of that actually don't know that freeze called himself the quarterback whisperer i think people called freeze the quarterback whisperer what coach freeze did say however is that he's had success with or he says we have had success with quarterbacks wherever we've been speaking of him kent austin have been kind of the the core of the quarterback whispering posse that have gone around and he's actually credited Kent Austin with a lot of the development of his quarterbacks. But now is absolutely the time. Ooh, Doug Dozier, you are 100% correct. Jared Stidham. People were very hype on Jared Stidham coming in. You are right. Um, but uh, now is the time to see just how good he really is with quarterbacks because you've got a project on your hands. Can you get Peyton Thorne into a better place or can you pivot and get one of these younger guys or make a really sound decision in the transfer portal? Those are the options for you. Going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, Let's see. But see, I mean, and I see everybody correcting me and saying Stidham, but like Jeremy Johnson, I think year two of Jared Stidham Year one, Jared Stidham, I think that there was a significant amount of hype around him. And I think that they lived up to that hype, um, you know, getting to the SEC championship game and the run that they went on down there at the end. But year two, Stidham, everybody was, and it just didn't look good, man. It looked okay. It wasn't bad, but it was just okay. Um, So I just, but but you all are correct in that. I don't think that there was very much, I don't think Stidham should be the guy talk out there so Stidham probably is the last one uh let's see 
Jed says, let's see here. I just say roll with Hank. Sometimes all you need to see is a couple of possessions. It's risky, but hey, Saban rolled the dice with Tua. Kirby rolled the dice with Bennett. Let the youngsters cook. I don't necessarily think that there's an issue with doing that. I think that um, Tua showed you a lot in practices. He was already QB2 in that rotation. Hank Brown was not. He was QB4, right? Like he wasn't the, you know, the next guy up in that rotation. Uh, so I, I don't know. And listen, Coach Free saw enough in him to say, let's bring him over from Liberty, right? He offered him at Liberty, offered him again at Auburn or extended that uh, scholarship again to him at Auburn. So he saw enough of him in that regard to do that. But uh, I still, I, I don't, I think that this is going to be another situation where if somebody, if you, if you get Hank Brown and you bring him in, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be like, this is a crazy decision. And they're going to be divided about what's going to happen there. It's, it's a tough place to be in as a coach. I don't envy coach freeze in, in his decision that he has to make here. So um, going to be interesting to look and see what happens with that. Um, let's see anything else worth talking about here. Justin Thomas asked a question. Do we need a QB that can run? No, we don't need a QB that can run. You need one that is, has good pocket presence, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that person needs to be able to run. Um, you know, that's the thing. I didn't see Hank Brown take off running one time, so I don't know. They didn't pressure him a lot, so I don't really know what he, he, stepped up in the pocket around uh, some edge pressure once and then went to his check down to the running back. Um, but that's not the same as dealing with a blitz. So I don't know what his blitz recognition hot pickups are, are, are looking like. I don't know what he looks like when he's having to throw against more press man coverage. They were running a lot of zone late in the game there. So, you know, picking apart a zone, clearly he can, he recognizes zones and is able to see, what they're doing in those things, but is he going to be able to go against like pattern matching man and, and understanding, you know, pre post now, I don't know. I, I, now this is one thing I haven't looked at is in defenses, whether they were doing some pre post snap stuff to try to confuse the look for him at all. Um, but no, not necessary to have someone who can run um, or keep the uh, defense honest. You just have to be decisive. Right. And if you decide to run, you know, can you go pick up a couple of yards to escape pressure, that sort of thing? I think that's necessary in football, period, these days, just because defenses are athletically a lot different than they've been previously. So you need to have a little mobility, but you don't need to be even a Peyton Thorne level runner, which again, Peyton Thorne was more impressive in his ability to run than I had even given him credit for uh, coming into the season. Uh, but no, not a necessity. Uh, and there's a lot of examples that show that you just need to be like, listen, Michael Penix isn't a and and I maybe you're asking specifically for Coach Hugh Freeze's system. The answer is still no. But listen, Michael Penix is not a dynamic runner. He barely ever runs. Uh, Cam Ward, another guy that a lot of Auburn fans wanted to come in, declare for the NFL draft, barely ever runs. You just need to be decisive in where you want to go with the football and get the ball into hands of somebody else who's going to do the running. So, no, it's not mandatory to be able to do that, but you do need to be decisive and understand to be on time and accurate and decisive with where to go. All right, man, I'm going to get out of here. It's enough of me talking. I appreciate you guys dropping in with me today. 
We're going to talk a little bit more basketball today as Auburn basketball, Auburn men's basketball is set to take the court again versus Penn. Before you get out of here, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you share the content with somebody. We'll be back at you with another morning drop tomorrow. Until then, and as always, work. Drop! Drop!